What's up everyone? Welcome to No Filter, I'm your host Anna Kasparian. And our interview series continues this week with yet another wonderful progressive on the show. Joining me now is David Dole, he is the host and creator of Rational National on YouTube, a show that everyone should check out regardless of your political ideology. David, thank you so much for joining us. Hey Anna, great to be here. So you are a Canadian who obviously covers Canadian politics, but you do a lot of deep dives into American political issues. And before we do our own deep dive into some of those political issues, kind of mm -hmm. wanted to ask you some personal questions. How did you sure. get your start? How did you decide to move forward with this career choice? And how's it going? So my background is actually in video production. So I worked as a video editor for a channel called CTV News here in Toronto. And um, after a few years of that, I ended up actually working in marketing for a bit and wanted to get back into the news business, but I actually wanted to do uh, be in front of the camera as well as behind the camera. But even before I got there, I actually ran as a Green Party uh, candidate uh, in 2015. Uh, I lost the election. Mm -hmm. But after that, I was so I was so engaged with not even just Canadian politics, but also the rise of Bernie Sanders. I was so inspired by that that I decided to actually start my own channel. And that's kind of what launched the uh, the entire thing. That's incredible. I didn't know that you actually uh, ran for office. Obviously, this is in, in Canada. So mm -hmm. tell me a little more about that race. What happened? Yeah, so our elections here are fairly short. So it was actually a, it was a three month race, which in, in Canadian terms is actually one of the longest elections we've ever had. Uh, so <laughs> there wasn't actually too much. Um, I mean, it was a lot of work at the time, but it's a lot of work for three months and then it's over. So. Essentially, the Green Party here doesn't have too much power. It has two seats, but there are candidates in every riding running in each of the parties. And it was more of kind of just, um, it was a race to kind of get the message out there, to kind of get a more progressive message out there. And actually, my politics now is I'm I'm actually more with the NDP this time around than the Green Party. But both parties represent more of the progressive side of politics in Canada. Oh, I love hearing that. Well, you know, the way that I found out about you and your show was when you did a video about me possibly challenging Diane Feinstein in, oh, yeah. in the Democratic <laughs> primaries. And yeah, I remember that. I got to thank you because you were super complimentary in that video. And I hadn't made my decision yet before I had seen your video. And Ultimately, I decided not to run, but you were a positive influence. I really did oh. consider it a little more seriously, I guess, after I saw that clip. But enough about that. Let's let's talk a little bit about some of the political issues that get you fired up. And one of those issues happens to be healthcare. Now, you're a Canadian, so you don't have to deal with the same broken healthcare system that we're dealing with here in the United States. And I came across this wonderful video that you put together. It was a response to Megan McCain and her claims about Medicare for all, and it really upset you. So I'm gonna show a few snippets of that video that you did, and then we'll talk about it. Let's take a look. Bernie Sanders says Medicare for all plan would cost 32.6 trillion over 10 years, according to George Mason Merrick, excuse me, Center. And I just believe that at a certain point, if you want this platform, that's fine. Explain how we're gonna pay for it. And if everyone is for it, you have to pay the 70% or 80% in taxes that they are proposing. What I'm feeling inside is just a ball of rage. And I'm gonna try and contain it a little bit. Just so I can get out words, because if I get too angry, I'm not going to be able to get out any any words. So I have to explain everything that she said there that was wrong, which is 
pretty much everything. And Medicare for all over 10 years would save $2 trillion. So yes, it would cost $32.6 trillion because you're moving the healthcare system from a private insurance-based system onto the federal government. So yes, it's going to cost the government more. But people are now paying through their taxes and not paying health insurance. So the individual actually saves money. They would be paying less through their taxes than they would on their healthcare premiums, the deductibles, all that that you have to deal with. None of that would be going on. It goes to your taxes. I, as a Canadian, already have this. Okay, David. So. A common thread throughout all of your videos is how calm you are. You don't really get fired up or angry <laughs> often. You are the antithesis of Cenk Uger, the founder of this company and also, of course, the co-host on the main show. Yeah. What is it about that Meghan McCain clip that got you so fired up? Because you don't even live in the United States. It's the idea that there are people in America that are they're in positions of power. They have a voice to millions of Americans and they don't know anything. And they're spreading misinformation to millions of people. That's what really fires me up. So when you have somebody in Meghan McCain who has had everything handed to her her entire life, born into wealth, and she's telling other people, she's telling Americans, no, you can't have health care. And backing that up with just straight up lies about, about what the Medicare for all system would do. I mean, that angers me, especially as somebody in Canada who I have this perspective of, I've always had healthcare. I've mm -hmm. never, I mean, the, the biggest compliment I could really give to a universal healthcare system is that I never think about healthcare. When I need healthcare, it's there. I mean, so realizing that Americans have this system where they're always, they're always worried about, can I afford, uh, you know, if I get cancer, can I afford it? If I get into a car accident, can I afford it? I mean, the, just that idea that living your life in, in fear of getting sick or, or something happening to you because you may not be able to afford it to me is just insane. So when you have somebody so wealthy at the top of society telling other people, no, you can't have healthcare because of X, Y, Z that is just based in lies. Yeah, it, it fires me up. So let's talk a little bit about the healthcare system in Canada because since we're discussing lies, there are quite a few American politicians who will make statements about the Canadian healthcare system as if it is a complete another failure. People in Canada are really suffering, the wait time is out of control. And so let's hear from an actual Canadian who has firsthand experience with that system. What are your thoughts on the Canadian healthcare system and are there any components of it that you would like to see improved? Yeah, so generally the Canadian healthcare system is is fantastic. The only real issues uh, issue with it is that there isn't more money put into it. So for example, dental care isn't covered here. So Bernie's Medicare for all bill actually goes further than what Canadians currently have. Uh, Pharmacare as well, so even though uh, it, I mean, it depends on your province, but in the province that, that I'm in, uh, we have to pay a little bit uh, with, with pharmacare, but I've never had to pay more than like 20 bucks for a prescription. So it's wow. never been really uh, anything that I've had to really worry about. But in terms of, I mean, the misinformation is just endless. Like it, Megan McCain, when she was on The View, she also mentioned how um, uh, Canadians, all these Canadians come down to America to get healthcare. Not true. Uh, if you actually look into it, first of all, that's a stat pushed by a, a libertarian uh, think tank. But the only Canadians that go to America for healthcare are the wealthiest people that maybe want to skip a line for, for surgery. And they can afford to go to America and get the, the procedure next week. So there is, there is some of that. But 
the only reason that exists is because these people are wealthy. Just like in America, if you're super wealthy in America, healthcare is great. Mm -hmm. But that isn't the problem here. The problem is millions of Americans don't have enough coverage or can't afford the coverage that they need. So in Canada, we have a system where people are universally covered. So while there are gaps like dental care or, or pharmacare, the only gaps are, are, are the only issues with the system is that there needs to be more money put into it. But in terms of its ability to act to actually deliver healthcare, I mean, just to give you an example, when I go to the doctor, say I wake up, I'm not feeling uh, feeling well. I call my, my doctor's office, I make an appointment for that same day, and then I see my doctor in the afternoon. I've done this countless times. Mm -hmm. Now, Americans will tell you, oh, or, or some Americans will tell you, well, the wait times in Canada, if we go to a universal system, there's no, I mean, the wait times are gonna be crazy. I hear about, I mean, I watch TYT, I hear about the wait times <laughs> that exist in America. So yes. this idea that there are no wait times in America, only in Canada. The thing is, if you have money in America, yeah, there's probably less wait times for you. But that's that's the issue with, with the system. I mean, and in Canada, if you don't like the wait times, you go to America. So, but but if you have the money, but you need people want a system where they are universally covered, where it's not just uh, it's not just uh, delivering or the, the wealthiest people in the country aren't just getting the the healthcare that they need, but everybody is covered and really it gives you peace of mind. When you get sick or whether you need surgery or, or something happens to you, you know that you don't have to worry about affording that healthcare. You're just gonna have it guaranteed to you. And having that peace of mind really, it's indescribable because I've always had it. So it's it's almost hard to describe that feeling to, to Americans. Yeah, one of the things that stands out to me the most is just the fact that if an individual in America loses their job, they don't just lose the money that comes along with that job, they lose the healthcare that you know provides this incredibly important necessity to his or her family members as well, not just for themselves. And so talk to me a little bit about your work situation. Do you work for yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm self-employed. You're self-employed, so there's never any worry about whether or not you're gonna be able to provide healthcare for yourself or your family members. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, again, one of the benefits here is regardless of your work situation. I mean, if I didn't have healthcare guaranteed to me in this country, I'm not sure I would've been able to start doing what I'm doing now. I likely would've been maybe frightened at what if I got sick? What if I needed this or that? And I could've just applied to a job that maybe I didn't enjoy and now be stuck in that job and be afraid to leave it because I have healthcare through that that employment. But being able to have healthcare guaranteed to you at the the federal level, it allows you to then take a risk. Say you don't like you don't enjoy what you're doing. You want to leave and go work somewhere else, or maybe go back to school, or maybe start a business. You have that freedom because that healthcare is always there, regardless of your job situation. So that's another huge benefit, and we're seeing also, I believe, with the striking workers at GM in the U.S. Mm -hmm. They were losing healthcare coverage because they're on strike. I mean, that doesn't happen here. If you, if you go on strike in Canada, you have healthcare still. So this like the idea of tying healthcare to your employer, all it does is it benefits the employer because it keeps you in that situation, in that company. Maybe they don't have a great work environment, but there's no incentive to really improve it because people are afraid to leave because they have great healthcare. That's, so, that's true. It definitely yeah. gives the employer a lot more leverage in keeping an employee, even if the pay isn't so great, even if the working exactly. conditions aren't so great. And so I'm so I'm so grateful that progressives like you from other countries exist and that you're shedding a light on the flaws in our healthcare system and how much better things could be. Now we're gonna take a quick break.
break. Uh, David, please stick around because when we come back, I do want to talk to you a little more about your views on Bernie Sanders and other 2020 presidential candidates. And I also want to get your thoughts on impeachment. This is something that uh, some progressives have a disagreement on. So I wanted to get your thoughts. Stick around, we'll be right back. Welcome back to No Filter, I'm here with David Dole. He is the host and also the creator of The Rational National on YouTube. Please check out his channel, it is awesome. So David, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the 2020 elections here in the United States. As I've mentioned several times on this show, you're based in Canada, but you pay very close attention to American politics, including electoral politics. So earlier you mentioned that you're a supporter of Bernie Sanders, why is that? Bernie Sanders to me is a once in a lifetime candidate. Mm -hmm. This is somebody who is who has a record, a 40 year record of being on the correct side of issues. Now this is a standard that we don't hold most people to and I don't think we should hold most people to. Most people won't you know, be on the correct side of issues when they're 20s or in their 20s. Mm -hmm. But Bernie Sanders was and when you have a leader like this, whether it's a leader on income inequality or gay rights or whatever it is, when you have a leader like this, you have to recognize it. And I mean, part of the reason that I got into doing what I'm doing is because Bernie Sanders, I thought, was so inspiring. Here is somebody who is an independent senator, has called out the establishment in both parties, is willing to speak his mind and really speak truth and stand up for the American people. And this is a, the kind of leader that most countries don't see. I mean, Canada right now, we have an election coming up, but there is no leader in this race that is anywhere close to as inspiring as Bernie Sanders is. So, like, there's this, it's fun to have the discussion, right? Of like, oh, you know, who, who could win or who should win? I mean, maybe Elizabeth Warren, mm -hmm. um, maybe Kamala Harris, but. Let's not play games. Mm -hmm. There is one candidate in this race that you know will stand up for you because he has a history of doing it. So this idea that there is even a discussion about it. I mean, it's like I feel like sometimes I'm in this world where people like you and me are, you know, seeing things clearly. But then there is this whole other, you know, world, the 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 mass media and just the masses of people that get a lot of their information from places like CNN or MSNBC, where they have a particular view that is not looking at this election rationally. It is not looking at this primary with a, with a clear head. If you look at each of these candidates, look at all of their records, look at all of their platforms, one candidate actually stands up for people. That's it. I mean, it's not even, there's no discussion to be had. We can try and pretend, mm -hmm. Oh, but how about Elizabeth Warren? No, it's, it's not close. Elizabeth Warren is a great number two, way down the list. Bernie Sanders, why are we even talking about like, who should win this primary? It's it's clear Bernie Sanders is the candidate that actually is willing to stand up for you, and not only standing up for you, but it's building a grassroots movement, and it is the candidate with with the most individual donors, the most donations, has the most volunteers, the most grassroots support, is building this movement that he said he will use once he gets into power, says he will use to put pressure on other politicians, maybe in the Senate, maybe in Congress, to support the bills like Medicare for all that he wants to get passed. So this is. This is somebody yeah. who is not just, you know, who would who wouldn't just be the organizer or wouldn't just be the, the the commander in chief, but also the organizer in chief. He would be the 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 leader of activism across the country that is actually you have a president, the potential to have a president 
that will be on the side of activists, will be on the side of the people pushing for progress. Yeah. I mean, again, like to me, it's so clear. And I think for you, I've heard you talk about Sanders as well. For you, I think it's clear as well. But it's it's crazy that we're even having a debate about this. Yeah, like it's it's so obvious to me. So I I obviously agree with you on on everything you said. But you know, my my take on Bernie versus Warren has been nuanced and it's it's difficult to get that across to the audience sometimes because people want like a passionate black or white, you know, answer or endorsement. And and the fact of the matter is Bernie has my endorsement. He is my number 1 and it's for all the reasons you listed. The fact that he has a record that's consistent with what he's saying today, the fact that he has proposals that are detailed and actually drive home the point that we need to take care of our fellow Americans, we need to provide health care for all. All of these you know, proposals he's put forward have been the most progressive and the most detailed. Now, on this at the same time, you know, I've been critical of Elizabeth Warren when she deserves the criticism. But I wanted to learn some lessons from the previous election. Now, I'm not comparing Elizabeth Warren to Hillary Clinton, but sometimes I worry that the discourse, the rhetoric, the vitriol aimed toward someone like Hillary Clinton wasn't really helpful. And I engaged in that a lot. And and I have a few regrets about it because I think that while she was a deeply flawed candidate, she was unfortunately demonized far more than she deserved. And so I'm scared about handling other candidates the same way. Again, that's not to say that Elizabeth Warren is the same. I think that she's a million times better than Hillary Clinton was. But I think that there's a way of critiquing these candidates without you know, making them out to be the devil or Satan. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? I think you're exactly right, and and this is the way that, that I've covered Elizabeth Warren as well. I mean, I've had people on both sides. Uh, I mean, it's hilarious the the kind of hate that that people <laughs> that we get in, in progressive media. Because yes. I've I've had people tell me, oh, you're you're in the the or you're with Elizabeth Warren. You support Elizabeth Warren, and like, are you kidding me? Do you watch my videos? Like, just because I have been a little more uh you know kinder to her in terms of not not having videos just straight up going after her or, or like or or putting or Demonizing this idea. her. Yeah, yeah, demonizing her. Like like creating this idea that she is a Hillary Clinton. I, I don't think Elizabeth Warren's Hillary Clinton. I think Joe Biden's Hillary Clinton. Yeah. So you have uh, Elizabeth Warren, I think, is the the best potential that that Democrats have for a corporate candidate. So somebody who has, you know, a history of calling out Wall Street, has had has had some some good positions, has had some has some great proposals, some great policies. But I don't think she has the fight. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the best example of that is 2016. Bernie Sanders waited to see if Elizabeth Warren would run against Hillary Clinton. She didn't. She didn't have the guts to go up against Hillary Clinton, didn't have the guts to go up against the machine. And look, I, I get that. I think a lot of politicians would have felt that back then. Bernie Sanders didn't care. He knew that you know we have to change the, the, uh, the discussion in this country. We have to focus more on what we can uh, deliver people as opposed to being the lesser of two evils. And he he took the risk and he challenged Hillary Clinton in 2016. I haven't seen Elizabeth Warren take those kinds of, of risks. Yeah. So that isn't to say that she is, you know, a, a horrible candidate or or that isn't to say that we should just, you know, completely demonize her and go after her. But that is to say there is a clear difference here between these two candidates. And I think when we're comparing them, we look at their records, look at their platform, look at their history of fighting, who has been willing to challenge power? 
I think Bernie Sanders is the only candidate in this race that has shown consistently that he is willing to challenge power, which is why he should be the person that gets your support. So let's move on to the topic of impeachment because this is something that has led to a lot of disagreement amongst progressives, especially progressives on all these digital platforms. Now, I've been on the record as supporting this impeachment inquiry. What are your thoughts? Do you think this is the right way to go about it? Yeah, I support impeachment. I supported impeachment back when we were talking about it in in what is it, May, April? Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, it, if impeachment exists, it exists for someone like Donald Trump. This is a guy who is a criminal. He's a criminal in the White House. Now, look, I honestly I don't care all that much about this call to Ukraine. It is impeachable, one hundred percent. Um, personally, I think there are more serious issues. I think his violation of the emoluments clause, mm-hmm. uh, 11, uh, 11 cases of uh, obstruction of justice. But just going back to the emoluments clause for a second. Um, after he won the election in, in 2016, in December, a uh, Saudi funded uh, lobbyist bought up 500 hotel rooms in Trump's hotel in Washington. And then how did Trump treat the Saudis? I mean, you have the the uh, the arms deal. You have Khashoggi, the Khashoggi's murder, uh, the war in Yemen. So we're talking about Trump financially benefiting from the Saudis and then working along with the Saudi government on on everything. So yeah. situations it, like that, I think, should be focused on more. And I'm afraid the Democrats will screw this up. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are, you know, historic in their ability to, to screw things up. They shouldn't just focus on the Ukraine call. They need to focus on everything, bring everything into the discussion, really expose this president for who he is, which is a criminal. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And and it frustrates me when you hear about Nancy Pelosi wanting to limit the scope of this impeachment investigation. They are, for some reason, very timid in going after Trump's possible financial crimes. There was a big story out today regarding a whistleblower that hasn't been getting much attention. But this whistleblower is not drawing attention to Ukraine and possible abuses of power on an international scale. He just wants to, he or she wants to focus on Donald Trump possibly influencing the IRS's audit into his own taxes. Now that is a possible cover up of financial crimes. And you have Richard Neal who's like, I don't know, should I should I proceed? I'm trying to get his taxes, but I don't wanna be too aggressive. And it's so frustrating because it's about time that we have Democrats who are willing to fight. Because you know if the shoe were on the other foot, the Republicans would not take it easy on a Democratic yeah. president. In fact, we just had Obama in office and the number of investigations, whether it had to do with Benghazi or the Fast and Furious issue in Mexico, it was just nonstop investigations. Yeah. But one thing I do want to just quickly bring up, you know, mm-hmm. today there was a big story out about how Donald Trump is pulling US troops out of Syria. Now he made that decision immediately after he had a phone call with Erdogan, the president of Turkey. So I only bring that up because Look, he's making all these weird decisions, including turning our backs on our allies, the Kurds in Syria, after he has these conversations with foreign leaders. And it really does beg the question, what type of promises, what type of quid pro quo occurred during that conversation? Because again, he made this decision to pull troops so abruptly, and it goes against you know, keeping our promises for our allies. Yeah, this is someone you just can't. You can't trust. I mean, and I believe he has a, a, a Trump Tower in in Turkey as well. Mm-hmm. So who knows how like that may play into it? It's just here's a president where 
what, on every single issue, he has been dishonest. He's dishonest every single day talking to the media. I mean, this guy can't get out a sentence without lying about something. So the idea that you have somebody in office here who is who is worrying about the average American or or doing anything in terms of actually following the law? We've seen again and again and again. He does not care. It's all about enriching himself. It's all about how how um the media perceives him. All he cares about is his own reputation in terms of his ability to to appear powerful, his ability to appear wealthy, even though he may not be as wealthy as as he says he is. Whatever it is. Impeachment exists for somebody like this. Impeachment exactly. exists for criminals like this. And look, I understand that there's the worry from some of the progressive left saying, "Oh, but this is going to hurt Democrats." In a weird way, I have to say, in a weird way, I think the only way this could potentially hurt Democrats is if he's actually convicted in the Senate and removed from office, because that could potentially suppress the vote for Democrats who want to come out and vote Trump out. So I think that's the only way that could actually hurt Democrats. I don't. I think it's very unlikely he'll be removed from office. But at the same time, I mean, if he is, I still think this is why you need to support someone like a Bernie Sanders, because you need you need to give people a reason to come out and vote. So even if Trump isn't there, say it's Pence, say it's somebody else, even if Trump isn't there, you want Democrats and non-voters, people that don't generally vote, to come out and support the Democratic nominee. Definitely. When you have someone like a Bernie Sanders who is an independent senator, I think this need, this point needs to be focused on more often. The fact that he is a lifelong independent appeals to people across the board. It appeals to many non-voters because they see somebody in Bernie Sanders who is not tied to either party. Both parties are historically unpopular. So you have someone like Bernie Sanders who has a history of standing up to the establishment, has a history of representing working people. You have someone like that as the nominee, there's a good shot. I think almost, I mean, there's a fantastic shot Mm -hmm. that he would become president. All right, David Dole, host of The Rational National. Check him out on social media and YouTube. Thank you for joining us, David. Thanks for having me. All right, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to No Filter. Look, one of my goals on this show is not only to do deep dives on topics that don't get much media attention, but also to help amplify other progressive voices. So please check out the guests that I've brought onto the show. They do great work and I wanna create a supportive environment for progressives because it's hard out there for us, especially in digital media. And if you wanna help, one way you can do so is by leaving this show a five star rating wherever you get your podcast. That helps to get the program featured and It'll amplify other voices as well, voices that I include here on this show. Thank you so much for watching everyone. And just keep in mind that next week we will do a replay of an older episode because I will be out of town. But we'll be back the following week with a brand new show. Thank you for watching and remember, never be afraid to speak your truth with no filter.